Welcome to the Rock Your Life Show. Where questions meet answers. The profound meets the mundane. And we help you rock rock your your life. life. We are your hosts, the Vignatis. I'm Tracy. And I'm Fabrice. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to this fine November. It's the American Thanksgiving month, which is the time where everybody overeats. Everybody overeats, myself included. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Rock Your Life show in the November uh, edition. And it's the second uh, episode of the season four. Yes. Now, we took a topic since we are these and we decided to talk about Something very simple, being an artist. Yeah, what it is to be an artist, uh, what is commitment and what is the uh, many. Now, yeah, we are not talking about part-time hobbyists. We're talking about those of us who have embraced this as a lifestyle, who are committed to it and are actively doing it. Correct. Not weekend warriors. We're talking about those of us who go through various things to and anything for the art so yes what she means by that is not to put down anybody it's just to say that a full commitment that's right. what it is so let's define what is an artist well it's one who practices any of the various creative arts for example sculptor painter composer a poet photographer songwriter filmmaker dancer culinary artist uh there's probably a bunch of other things in their photographers uh yeah you know which so use by using conscious skill and creative imagination great definition mm-hmm. now there are four drives or aspirations and this list is from henry uh Neuendorf. and you probably those who maybe aren't artists are wondering what would ever possess artists to want to do this and have a lot of um, uncertainty in their lives? Well, here's a list that he came up with of the four drives or aspirations. Number one is financial success. We know that a lot of artists, when you are very successful, it has a lot of fiscal return. So it's money in exchange for your services or product. Okay. And the second one is desire to socialize. So You'll have cultural acceptance, or maybe it's glamorous. You become popular. That's sort of a self-indulgent reason, but a lot of people or artists might want that as well. Number three is a compulsion to create. Now, this is an innate drive. It's inside of you. It's personal satisfaction. And I think every artist out there has that, whether someone sees your work or not. And the last one is the freedom of the artist lifestyle that can be not having a conventional life of a nine to five job or the mortgage, the kids, the car payments, all that comes with that. Yeah. So there is some freedom in that. Yeah, definitely. Good point. All this, Mm -hmm. Mr. Henry. And there's not really a formula to being an artist. You know, there's no roadmap where you, you're pre-med biology, you go on, you apply to med school, you get in. There's definitely a course there to become an MD. So being an artist, it's it, it, we rely on our personal tendencies, maybe our karma or our childhood, our environment can certainly be influential. And uh, any and all of these in either direction, whether it be motivation or lack thereof, 
However, being an artist, it's a choice. It's not something that's granted to you from the universe. It's really a choice to want to commit to this lifestyle. And so today we're going to be addressing, as I stated earlier, those people who are relentlessly committed to whatever their chosen art form without being sidetracked by life, whatever that might be, and always possessing that never give up spirit under any and all circumstances. We're not talking about the person who's a hobbyist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I think it's better if you are a hobbyist because there's a lot which this episode will discuss is there's a lot that comes with that when you commit to this lifestyle. Uh, a lot of sure. sacrifices as well. Yes. So um, we had to start with uh, some kind of a, a writing and springboard to uh, motivate us to do that podcast. And we came across a, a, a passage of a book uh, called uh, Art and Fear by uh, David Bells and Ted Orland. We will attach this to the uh, podcast. You can download it. And in this uh, uh, exploring what it is to be an artist and what comes with it, like Tracy said, the um, difficulty of accepting um, you didn't choose maybe to be an artist, you are an artist, or you are drawn to it. So in this podcast, uh, we have interviewed uh, a few artists um, that gave us, we asked them questions. Yeah, and, from different fields, yeah, which and, you'll see. We'll introduce them as we go. So based on the article or uh, the passage of the book, Art and Fear, I'm actually going to read something. So and this particular point covers doubt and fear, which plagues most of us. <laughs> Making art is a common and an intimately human activity filled with all the perils and rewards that accompany any worthwhile effort. The difficulties art makers face are not remote and heroic, but universal and familiar. Making art means working in the face of uncertainty. It means living with doubt and contradiction, doing something no one much cares whether you do or not, and for which there may be neither audience nor reward. Making work you want to means setting aside these doubts so that you may see clearly what you've done and thereby see where to go next. Making the work you want to make means finding nourishment within the work itself. So we asked uh, Grammy Award-winning classical composer Danae Velasse, how do you cope with doubt and fear? You know, I look back on successes as proof of my ability. Sometimes it's just that simple. Or I'll call a friend who can lend a sympathetic ear or share my stress with colleagues and get their feedback. I think if there's too much doubt and fear, if it's actually debilitating, then it's a sign that I'm not really ready for the challenge ahead. So I will say what I would advise to my students, which is that when there is doubt and fear, 
use it to focus and prepare more. Build little incremental challenges such that little by little you'll feel a shift into excitement. When you're actually ready to share yourself with an audience, it's exciting. And as a whole, I think we need to embrace the possibility that a small amount of fear is maybe a measure of growing stronger and expanding as an artist. Well, it sounds to me that it's digesting that fear, accepting it, and embracing it, and using it for fuel. Yeah. It's very simple. Yeah. It's You accept it as part of the package, in other words. Yeah, that's what she's talking about. Because you're very exposed when you create. We know that. You don't know if someone's going to like it or not, or if they even give to you know, whatever, bloop, bloop, that you even did it, you know? Yeah, definitely. So we also asked her this question. What are the perils and rewards when you create? Well, the perils of creating music are that you can spend decades in training for very uncertain income. <laughs> and really, I think it's the facing of personal limitations that can be a very lonely path. But I don't really want to focus on that. I think I have much more to say about the rewards of a life in music. I think having a creative outlet is beneficial to the psyche. And professional artists have the benefit that their creative voice is heard, which is, of course, deeply fulfilling. I think artists have a responsibility. We can offer respite and entertainment, but we are active in shaping culture. We're active in that way, not just in the music that we create, but in, in movies, in fashion. Every realm of expression is an active expression of our culture, of what we value, of how we expect ourselves to grow as a society. So we have a special opportunity and a social responsibility as artists. I think that a life in music and in the arts is one where the artist sits at the crux between the looking glass of history and the crystal ball of the future. We are at once living in the past, honoring the culture that birthed us by holding a mirror to what we are as a, as a society. But also the element of the crystal ball is what I imagine when I think of how we can foretell and imagine a future. We can look forward with purpose and imagine a greater means of existence. Ideally, of course, we avoid our past mistakes and we suggest more positive outcomes for the future. And I think that these are elements I see in my favorite art. My favorite art finds a way to reach average audiences while also satisfying the most discerning critics. It might be entertainment, but it's purposeful. 
it's elevating. And I think great art should be both spontaneously inspired and meticulously executed because the goal is to spark awe or invite self-reflection or at the very least offer a sense of connection to the world. And so really I think that's the fundamental ideal for me. The arts serve a collective elevation and it's really for all of us as social beings to appreciate the art that surrounds us in our everyday lives because there is great artistry in countless realms outside the arts. If you've ever found a really amazing auto mechanic or a great doctor, you know what I mean. There is artistry in every profession when it's done with passion, when it's done with artistry. And I'm saying that we should applaud everyone in every realm who pursues a life with passion and who executes superlative work done with integrity and, and with sustained excellence. I think that is a model of life that artists can offer and maybe heighten everyone else's awareness of the beauty of the craft of the arts that surround us in a more mundane existence, looking beyond art museums and looking beyond concert halls. We as artists have an opportunity to share a way of seeing the world that's positive and elevating and intelligent and reflective. So all these elements are things I take as rewards for the artist's life. Uh, okay, drop the mic already. That is a lecture in and of itself, just that answer. Yeah, it, 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 we lifted we the whole thing. Oh my gosh. So Thank you so much, Danae, for that answer. Perils and rewards. As you can hear in her answer, she did not focus on the perils. Perils can lead artists into a downward spiral. It does. By victimizing ourselves, it can lead to drugs, alcohol abuse, even suicide. So rather than focusing on that, she chooses to focus on the rewards. And that is personal, it's responsibility, all that comes with that. Uh, we as artists have a moral responsibility. I believe that an ethical responsibility to society. Yeah. And we need to be examples. Artists are people who change social climates. Yeah, sure. That's what we do. Yeah. And it, like she said, it's a collective elevation. And I think that's the goal here. And it's, and I loved when she said there's artistry in every profession. Cause I always say that when you find that mechanic and you get your car and it's, it's like art or you find a surgeon how many times have you heard that someone said their surgery? I've seen it where there's a, an incision that's a few millimeters yeah. or whatever it is. You know, it's it's incredible. Beautiful answer. Just beautiful. Yeah. So um, the next uh, topic we wanted to uh, approach still based on that uh, heart and fears is um the learning of accepting us oneself, that's part of an artist too. Uh, in large majeure, I mean, the, becoming an artist, 
usually consists of learning to accept yourself. That's what we learn in the process. And that's a journey that we enjoy taking. Um, and that makes your work personal. That's the consequences. And in following your own voice, which is the hardest things to do. Miles Davis says uh, it takes a long time to play uh, like yourself. And I do believe that finding your own voice is difficult, very difficult. You got to know yourself. And that will definitely, as the consequences, makes your work so distinctive from another artist. Well, I do think oftentimes for artists, it's hard to accept yourself. Oh, for sure. I think that's part of the journey of being an artist as well. You may not like things about yourself, but you know that it's coming out in your art and you want to fix it. I've even seen it with students. There's certain timbre in the voice they want to fix, but it's like that's what the very thing that could make them unique. Definitely. Well, look yeah. at our own creation of Gypsy Billy. Yeah. I fought it in the beginning a little bit because I was like, oh, no, I'm a jazz girl. I can't do that. And it's like, what? Excuse me. No. Embrace all that you are. Embrace the jazz, the countryside. And then me being American. And then the gypsy that was in you. Exactly. And I didn't even know it was in there yeah. until. In the 50s. When right. You, you know. I've always been attracted to that. Yeah. Yes, I'm watching all the Leave It to Beaver reruns. It's the best show that's ever been on TV. <laughs> but um, it's it's different for each person. And you have to accept it as a journey. It is a journey. Because it's ongoing and it's never done. <laughs> that's the most important part is the journey. That's what we focus on. And don't you think all art has some kind of intention even with our own music i think our intention behind our music is number one to unite and to elevate people yes uh, on the projection yes that's what we're trying to and give positive message yeah too so i think there's always an intention behind a work definitely i agree with that so uh and that is um where we ask um another friend of ours uh, john who was a painter, um, and we asked him that question, and he was gladly offering his insight. Uh, the question that we asked him was, what is your intent when creating a painting? And let's see what he has to say. So for me, when I'm creating a painting, my intent is mostly just to be a conduit. You know, I... Um, Try to put a little bit of myself. Obviously, the painting is my dream and is my vision. But um, I'm trying to create something that's bigger than myself. So I will start off with a vision in mind, an image in mind, or you know, maybe it's a song or whatever it was that inspired me to paint in the first place. But as I'm going through the painting, I'm also trying to allow creative things to happen in the moment, you know, fun things happen when you're painting, images get created that you didn't originally intend to have created or you get inspired by something new and the painting goes a whole different direction. So I try to be open to that organic process, the creative process and um, allow some part of myself, but then also allow myself to be open to the journey 
wherever that painting is going to take me. And then when it's done, you know, I want to create something that's going to inspire other people to have visions of their own so that it's not so finite and that the image isn't static. It is open and it's free and it can be interpreted by many different people in many different ways. To me, that's the most exciting thing about a piece of art when it's done is uh, that it's not a linear process and it's, it doesn't tell a linear story. I want it to be as open as possible. Wow. Interesting He's, answer. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, the thing that I like the most is the openness. And the thing that, I, that we can relate to being in the aural industry of music it's like building a track you know when we write a song and it happens to me all the time in my pea brain I have a very distinct thing that direction where I want it to go but as soon as we start building the track it starts to go left or it starts to go right or you'll flip it and change the groove and I'm like oh wow I never thought of that because that's like one of your strong suits is finding grooves but it's fun to to see where it's going to go and like it develops. And I think with painting, it's this, I think any of the arts, it's the same. You just have to be open to where it's going to go. Yeah, I it's, think, again, we emphasize on the journey and being the moment in when you're an artist, you have to be in the moment and let uh, yourself go to where, like John said in that answer, mm-hmm. you, or be open it's so much fun. I mean, when, when a track starts to come to life and you're like, wow, like calling a friend. We did not. That's not how it was written. Oh, no. We used to it's play. It's so embarrassing. That demo will never get out. Yeah. I better be in the ground. The way that, we used well, to play. Well, I won't play. be in the ground. But. Even live, the way you used to play. Oh, no. Then, oh, stop. I'm and, embarrassed. And then when I changed completely the groove. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't even listen to it. It makes me really ill and embarrassed. So anyway, <laughs> it's a... Uh, Journey. So we asked Peter Figgin, who is a very established photographer. He has extensive career gracing covers of Rolling Stone, um, album covers, as well as for Universal Music Group, Capitol Studios, Skywalker Sound, the list goes on and on. Well, we asked him the same question of what is your intent with your photographs? Well, you know, that kind of just depends. If you're doing a job for a client, it's always your interpretation of what they need to sell their product or advertise or uh, sell their album cover or whatever it is. Um, So you're always putting your own twist on it. Um, You're not always thinking specifically about it. I don't know if I ever think specifically about that. Uh, it, it's just a, it's an organic process. There's a give and take. There's usually, um, you know, a, a give and take between art director and a photographer, the artist and the photographer, the whoever you're photographing or whatever you're. Well, if it's a whatever you're photographing, they're not really talking back, but maybe someone from the company is talking back on behalf of that thing. So, it it doesn't really. I don't really think about it that much. I just sort of react. Um, you know, just try to make it work for the client, knowing what their goals are. That's what you have to keep in mind, what their goals are. If you're shooting for yourself, on the other hand, 
sometimes you go in with a preconceived notion of what you think you're trying to accomplish and you choose your lighting and your backgrounds and your locations, whatever it is you want to put into your image, and you hope that it's going to work to create whatever that preordained vision you had in the back of your head when you started out was. But along the way, that stuff changes, and so you have to be open to um, whatever happens. Sometimes you don't go on with any idea at all. You just, you know, like, oh, that looks interesting. Let's just shoot and see what becomes of it. And you react in real time to the situation, and either it works or it doesn't. Sometimes it works really well. Sometimes it completely sucks, and you just throw it out, and you go start over again. That's how it works. Well, you can certainly see what the common thread is here. Yeah. It's being open. And this is photography. It's not a brush in a hand. It's not a pencil in a hand. It's not behind a console. And you, again, he reiterates the same thing that John said, that you have to be open. And and Danae as well. You have to be open to what's coming your way and how the work can possibly take a left or right turn. Yeah, let it flow and uh, see where it takes you. But here's what I did love what he said. He said, it might suck. So you have to be able to accept that your work is not good. <laughs> and then you just discard it or you carry on and, and keep doing something else. But you have to remain open. Yes. And yes. I think there's a little... There's other things at play here with being a photographer because you could be on on a set, you could be on set and the lights go out, you know, or a bulb blows and you don't your assistant isn't there. You know, there's other things at play as opposed to like just uh like what we do in music, we kind of rely on more internal stuff whereas photographer has that, but you have to have the gear in order to take the photos. You can't just write the song, you know, write the song in your head. Yeah, you know. It's a different approach. Yeah, completely. Every art has a different approach, and you can see. Uh, that's why we wanted to give you different artists, mm-hmm. a painter and then a, a, a photographer and, um, and, and you a can musician. S- and with him being, he's it's hired for a job, so he has to be able to deliver yes. what the client wants. Yeah, and that, you have to not only use your artistry for that, but you have to give the artistry in the through the eyes of your client definitely so good answer peter thank you um let's go back to the article of uh, art and fears um and uh, let's read a little bit about that so um this is again based on the fact that uh, art is made by honorary people um basically the forest creature creatures that we are um, uh, wouldn't need to make art but uh, it says, uh, if art is made by ordinary people, ordinary ordinary people, then you have to allow that the ideal artist would be an ordinary person too, right? Yes, yeah, just fa- ordinary people. Yes, that's why everybody can be an artist. Now, the level of commitment is what changed. And with the whole um, uh, usual mix of bag of traits, uh, that the real human beings possess. So there's a, this is a giant it's a, a hint about art because um, you 
it suggests that um, our flaws and weaknesses comes into play. While often obstacles are getting work done as a source of strength. They can be obstacles, yeah. can be your strength, of, a source of strength. Yes, sure. definitely. And artists are gradually be, uh, become a form of identity, uh, which, as every artist knows, often carries with it as many drawbacks as benefits. Yeah, you mean when, when one labels oneself as, I am a quote-unquote artist. Yeah. Yeah, it, people, you can identify as being an artist. Yes. Yeah, and it can, you can put self-imposed uh, drawbacks on yourself. Yeah, so, so uh, good point, Tracy. Uh, consider that if artist equals the self, which it is, right, then inevitably when you make flawed art, you are a flawed person. And when you, worse yet, you make no art, you are no person at all. Yeah, that's very dangerous. So when one puts that stamp on oneself that I'm an artist, just to recap what you're saying, the drawback of that says if you make flawed art, you're a flawed person. And when you make no art, you're no person. So I, that's why it's important that we are human beings first Correct. before artists. Artist happens to be what we choose to carry on through our lifestyle. But number one, we are a human being first. Or a vehicle to express. Right, that's it. Of internal feeling. But you can see the relationship between art and human and, that old, and what he says at the beginning... Um, he says ordinary people ordinary people yeah exactly because when artists put that label on themselves and i've done it in my past and it's caused a lot of pain because if you're not producing or producing an effect that you want from the four drives or aspirations list then you feel like you're no person which absolutely is untrue so it's important that artists remember that but since art is made from ordinary people then anybody can make art. That's, That's why sure. I say it's a choice to be an artist. If you have those natural abilities or you choose to work at those abilities to become better, I mean, I'm sorry, Kobe Bryant was an artist on that court. He worked hard at it. As Danae said, it's, you find artistry in every occupation that you can find. And even that, uh, when you put the label artist, if you... If your art doesn't bring uh, money, then you say, oh, I'm not an artist. Right. Well, no, I disagree with that because art, again, it says in this article, is made by honorary people. So whether your art, and I think Dene touched on point on that, if uh, it doesn't bring you uh, rewarding uh, financially, mm -hmm. then that doesn't mean that your art is useless or it doesn't mean that your art is uh, doesn't have an expression or will not change the things. Painter uh, like Cézanne or painter like uh, uh, Victor Hugo, uh, sorry, Victor Hugo, he's a writer. Painter like uh, uh, Van Gogh, they didn't know, Jackson Pollock, they didn't know that they would, they would sell a million dollars. Hey, maybe the painting that I did at that sip and paint yeah. class could be sold for a million bucks. I take a picture <laughs> and we put it on Facebook. It wasn't paint by numbers, but it was a painting. So if John Moore, if you're listening to this, yes. don't be threatened. Exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. For that. But yes, we are human beings first. Yeah. That's number one. So to identify oneself as an artist is fine, but you have to remember that humanism plays a role in life as just being a human being. How do we behave? How do we treat others? What is our intention behind our actions? That is the primary concern for any human being, whether you choose to be an artist or not. It's humanism. And as well, if you implement and you start to think like this, now we're talking to uh, uh, artists itself that make this commitment, lifetime commitment, if you think first you're human being, I guarantee you, and I can, I, I don't know how to tell you that, but it will improve your art and it will bring another level of uh, power into your art. It's definitely. Absolutely. So this humanism is essential uh, to recognize yourself as a human being before an artist. Everything. So um, uh, since art is made uh, by ordinary people, um, now that's not to be confused with ornery people. Ornery no, people. No, no, no. We're we're not ordinary. He, people. Ordinary. He, we. I just want to clarify that for everybody. He's not saying ornery people. He's saying ordinary. <laughs> Sorry, it's a language my, my thing. French, my the French accent a little bit. Un petit peu, oui. Anyway, so we ask John, uh, John Moore, the painter. We ask him uh, another question and and talk about that. So, how does humanism play um, or feed into your paintings? Well, a lot of my work centers around music, jazz specifically. So um, I have a, a theme amongst a lot of my paintings where I put halos over jazz artists. And I, I started doing this a long time ago, um, this idea of, you know, who gets a halo and challenging the idea of what's holy. So um, for me, you know, a long time ago, I, I kind of went on a spiritual journey and art was very much a part of that. Me um, redefining what I see as holy, you know, my personal definition of holy um, was very much a part of it. So when it comes to humanism, I am trying to accentuate the best parts of humanity. And for me, music and art are very much that, um, you know, the attempt to create something new, something um, from your own mind, from your heart, from your soul, from your spirit. That that quest to me is the highest form of humanity. So music is um, an expression of humanism. Therefore, my art is a you know, further expression of humanism. So my art is very much about accentuating the best parts of humanity, humanism, and being human. In a sense, for me, the uh, creative process and creativity in general is um, a big part of the highest part of being human. And to create art is to express you know, the highest level of that evolutionary process, in my opinion. So that's how I, uh, I would say that my art accentuates humanism. Well, he definitely brought up the point about the best parts. And I loved how he put a spotlight on it, the best parts of humanity or about, of, about the human. And it's going to be different for each 
artist and or just people and how you feel what are the best parts of humanity you know for him music means a lot to him so he wants to paint about music for others it might be uh the way someone may give to others and they may express that through uh a painting or through song or even instrumental music or through photography certainly you can see that when you have that kind of visual oh yeah i think uh the part that really uh struck me in that answer was the uh, introspection you can see for him he was talking about the fact that it's a journey and he's really mm-hmm. really focused on that uh that's where his humanistic part comes in he wants to t- his soul like he said he talks about his soul and he talks about his the depth of himself and finding out who he is and this introspection notion of introspection and he never once in that passage referred to himself the identity as an artist because that's where yeah when that identity happens and you feel like you're failing this is what can lead to something that every artist may face if they take that path is quitting oh this is a big thing okay quitting so let's talk about that for just a second and i'm going to read from art and fear okay to survive as an artist requires confronting the troubles in life that may cause creators to quit basically those who continue to make art are those who have learned how to continue that's key right there they've learned how to continue or more precisely, have learned how not to quit. Another way to say it, but the same intent. Same thing. Now, quitting is fundamentally different from stopping. I have stopped in my past. Yeah. You have those artist identity things. I'm not producing. I'm going to have a pity party. I'm the host and the only guest. And I'm going to indulge in all kinds of bad behavior. And Stopping is one thing. I always found the strength internally to carry on. You hit the pause button and then you take whatever kind of break that you need. Sometimes you do it on the holidays. Sometimes you do it, but that's not for the same dark reason as I've had in the past. Mm -hmm. But you carry on. Now, quitting is fundamentally different in that it happens one time. You hear it with smoking. I quit smoking. Means it's, there's... Fine, it's the end of the piece. Not, I stopped and I started again. That's different. So quitting happens once, and it means never starting again. And guess what, people? Art is all about starting again. We all do it. Even if you write a song, which Peter had mentioned in his answer, you shoot something and it might suck. What do you do? You go back to the drawing board, so to speak. And you scrap the song, you write another verse, you um, change the arrangement. We've done that countless times. You change the direction. Exactly. Yeah. You always start again. So you can see uh, in that art in fear, the, the importance of quitting and the word quitting, um, which is emphasis on different from stopping. And we learn that as artists, uh, I'm sure as scientific is the same thing, the, a lot of science, people, science, 
you can see they have that. That's why science and art is really close to each other. Because a lot of scientific, they, they want to discover a vaccine or anything. Exploration. Exploration, yeah, exactly. yes. So Experimenting. You, correct. So you, you, you encounter, um, um, you encounter um, uh, obstacle or failure, but you, you, you're, gonna, you're not, you're not going to quit. You're going to stop because you're going to redirect yourself and stop. So it's very important. And then as well, the reason why you stop or you're quitting um, uh, it's back to those four that we read at the beginning, the four driving aspiration from Henry Newdorf, uh, which is financial success. Sometimes you stop because there's no uh, money coming in or no financial, or you don't see, oh, I'm not successful in that. Or it's because uh, there's no, you, you so into yourself that it drives you crazy. There's no socializing at all or the compulsion or there's no acceptance you feel like you're not getting recognition for it exactly or or the compulsion you you create and then you said okay i have nothing else to say you know that but the bottom line you can see the importance of understanding as an artist and as a human being because we're first human being that stopping is quitting is different than stopping and it's so so important to understand that principle Um, now let's move on to another point here. Okay. As artists, we know that when we create, it can feel dangerous and revealing in that you are letting a lot of yourself out. It started out that way with me with songwriting. That's the most intimate thing you'll do as a, as a musician is creating a song. When you sing, that's how you sound either people like it or not. But when you create a song in the very beginning, I was very insecure about that. Are they going to like it? Does it, is it stupid? I mean, all of those things, which is could be positive too. Oh, sure. Of course. Of course. But there's always that self doubt and it stirs deep waters that lay between you and what, you know, maybe what you should be, but, and, you sometimes you can have fears for what you might be and you might not like that yeah he makes that point in the uh, that happened to me too in art and fears yeah because yeah. i had such the label on myself as only being the jazz singer yeah you put and limit- i didn't i i hung on to that like and i like a girl scout badge <laughs> you put- and i did not want to let that go and it's like if i let that go and i take other avenues does that mean i'm going to lose that yeah but in fact no it what it has done is it's expanded my palette yes so I, I, we did that I, I did that the fact i didn't have that problem because i was playing so many style of music but the hard part was too many to incorporate in in in, yeah. in the style that's what it was and for some artists just maybe letting go or thinking something you could become or any of those kinds of fears that might be for some that alone might be enough to stop them from even getting started at all. And um, maybe for those who do, trouble will be right around the corner. I don't really know. And doubts will soon arise in swarms if you don't allow yourself to accept that you might be something you think you weren't or something that you thought you didn't want to be. Yeah. Does that, I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it does I because the, the acceptance is part of the journey. 
So it's very important. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a few things that you hear, usually artists saying, say, oh, I'm not an artist, I'm funny. Or, I like the, uh, or imposter syndrome, that's correct. quite common. Or I have nothing, nothing worth saying. That's another yep. one. Yep. Or I'm not sure what I'm doing. No one understands me. Yeah. And then that leads to... Uh, oh, then the comparison too. Other people are better yep. than I am. I'm okay. no good. Nobody likes what I'm doing. And I'm going to have a pity party and start doing destructive behavior. Yeah. Or, or, may, or maybe you said, uh, I never had, for a painter, I never had a real exhibit. Or I, I don't show my work out there. Or no one understands my work. Or no one's like my work. I mean, there's so many things that I have no to- idea what I'm doing. Yeah. I suck. You know, <laughs> there's all so the, many. There's just, I mean, the, the pity party list goes oh, on. There's, there's so much criteria for that. So, so, so much criteria for that. Yeah. But um, it, when you have those kinds of feelings, what you're doing is, by choice, this self-imposed limit to your creativity. You're, you're putting a cap on it yeah. or a lid on it. Or if you do embrace those things and those fears and that is kind of insecurity, you can expand your horizons now. Yeah, and, and, and then it touched that, yeah, uh, that thing. Of course. In, I think in, in the first uh, so did John. Yes. So did John, because that's this is something that artists who choose this as a lifestyle know it, they're aware of it, and they fix it and they plow through it. Definitely. Now, we asked uh, photographer Peter Figgin this question. Because we all do this as, as artists. We put these limitations on ourselves, or some do, some don't. But And uh, so we wanted to ask him, what are any self-imposed limitations and freedoms you experience in your photography? Well, not, not really. Self-imposed limitations? Um, the, the only self-imposed limitations would be Physically, if you physically can't do something, you can't get to somewhere, you can't climb high enough, you can't jump high enough, um, you can't get your camera in the right position to where you think it needs to be. Um, And then there's, you know, sometimes there's limitations posed, you know, monetarily. You can't afford a specific lens or piece of gear that might do the job better, so you have to alter what your expectations are. But I, I don't really have any self-imposed limitations. Um, I, I mean, I suppose if they're if you're shooting for a client, most of the limitations, uh, almost all the limitations, are budgetary limitations. It, it's always that way. Um, you get down to wanting to do a project in a certain way and they can't afford it. They can't afford the location, they can't afford to rent the right gear, they can't afford the time it's going to take you to you know, spend three weeks on an image in post-production. So you have to alter your expectations and what you know, your realizations are for that project. And you hopefully communicate that with your client in a way that doesn't <laughs> offend them. <laughs> and then sometimes you just don't care. So, um, no, not not any not not self-imposed, but imposed by the, you know, by the realistic limitations of the budget. That's the, that's the biggest deal. It's the limitations of the budget. Well, it certainly appears that Peter does not allow 
self-imposed limitations. And you're talking internally, right? Yes, yeah. internal self-limitations, self-imposed limitations. But it's more that the outside influences. Yes, yeah, relationship with his client, that's mm-hmm. what he was saying, or the or the, the logistic of the of the project. Because oh. a lot of times in the work that he does, it is client-driven. So Definitely. I I think with, uh, however, that doesn't mean that all artists are not going to have those because a lot of artists do have those self-imposed limitations, meaning I'm never going to be able to deliver that. I don't have the ability. You're not going to like it. You know, just that old list of nonsense that yes. we all run through our heads from time to time. And when it comes to the freedoms, um, he, he, he was subtle with the way, the way he, he spoke about it. Um, but he did not, he did not, uh, the self is the reason why he doesn't have much self, uh, imposed, uh, limitation is because he wanted to let that freedom flows yeah. of his of his art, I think even he, in the midst of a project. Yeah, and and in, in, in the midst of conflict or yeah. an obstacle. Yeah. And I think that his freedom comes from his flexibility to adapt. Yeah. When a client doesn't like it or they don't have the budget for something, and he has to help guide them because he has that natural ability. That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Anyway, so. Uh, Bottom line, let's come back to what we started with. The, yes, the art and fear. Art and fears, the, the article. And let's sum up a little bit about this whole episode. As stated by David Bales and Ted Orland, viewed objectively, these fears have less to do with art than with the artist. What separates artists from ex-artists is that those who challenge their fears continue. Those who don't quit. Each step in the art-making process puts that issue to the test. Yes, it is. That is what we are. It's the ultimate challenge is those who continue, those who don't quit are going to be uh, successful. So those who have stopped, I'm speaking to you, those who have stopped, start again. Face your fears. We all have fears. Good Lord, we'd have a whole episode on the fears that I've faced and the struggles that I've faced personally as an artist to overcome. We struggle and doubt, but we carry on and we sacrifice for the art. It's our moral obligation to society. We are the people that change the social climate. That's for sure. We it's have... up to us. Look at the influence of art and look at your influence and look at the influence of art all over the world. The culture, it's part of a culture. It's part of everything. Artists are the one that are going to change and change actually the uh, course sometimes of a country, a course of a dialogue, a course of a... That's why you see politicians uh, uh, bringing gift and cultural gift between countries. So the artist is... I, I see my work like this. I don't know you, but I see that my song, somebody in the morning is putting up my songs and maybe that message will help them in what they're going through. We don't know the impact we have on other people's lives, but I'm going to reiterate, it's our moral obligation as artists to serve society. Yes. End of story. So for those who who are artists and have stopped, start again. Pick up that brush Pick up that pencil, write that song, pick up that guitar, that camera, those, uh, your chef knives, whatever it is that your art, your tap shoes, your 
point shoes. I don't care what it is. Start again. Hit that stage. Learn your lines. Yeah, express yourself. And, and, and this opportunity of art. You have a job, that's fine. You, you, you don't want to make the commitment, the full commitment like we did. Uh, uh, that's fine. Bottom line, or because you can't, or because you don't want to, or because you're more comfortable. Bottom line is you can't, with your heart, you can't art. Um, you will change something in your community or in in your family. What and about that? how about that? your own self? And your own self. Now, that's why I carry on. Because when you change, your environment changes. That's why, I, I mean, personally, I don't know you, Tracy, but that's why I carry on. I have this urge and this needs to carry on. It's because I love it. And I know that somehow I will impact even one person. Then... I'm well, okay with that. It's in my DNA. Otherwise, I'd yeah. have an MD at the end of my name. <laughs> there we go. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. We will leave a bunch of information in the show notes. And uh, for those of you who follow us or don't, please follow us on your preferred platform. And if you're an Apple user, uh, give us a rating. That'll help reach other people because that's the whole point of this podcast series. So now... Oh. How about sticking in the art world? Our fun fact. Now, this one is interesting. It's a little bit long, but I think it needs to be stated. Now, according to the Guinness World Records, the largest canvas painting was created by British artist Sasha Joffrey in Atlantis, Dubai on September 29, 2020. That means it was during the pandemic lockdown. It measures 17,176 square feet, Mm. 79 square inches, the size of the tennis court, 10 tennis courts. And it's called The Journey of Humanity, based on artwork created by children all over the world, from orphans to refugees, the wealthy. This all happened during the pandemic. He painted this by himself, including hauling all the cans of paint. He did this 20 hours a day for eight months, people. That's a Talk about never giving up. And it was purchased in early 2021 by what? A French national who was living in Dubai. Uh, He's a cryptocurrency businessman, Andre Abdoun. And he plans to build a museum to house the work. It sold, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe this. It sold for a whopping $62 million. Damn. And according to Forbes, all proceeds will go toward charities like Dubai Cares, UNICEF, UNESCO, and the Global Gift Foundation to help disadvantaged children. How incredible is that? And there you have it, dear people, the power of art. Amazing. Oh my That's goodness gracious. Great fun fact, Tracy. Yes. Spotlight. Yeah. How about we do a spotlight on a business card? Okay. What about business cards? What about them? Well, the thing is that, you know, sometimes you change your, your, your email and that's why we're in the process of it. And then we're like, oh, well, we won't want to change email because we have, it's on or the- Or you have to add something to a card. Or you have card. something to a card and it's printed and you're like, oh no, we're going to have to throw away those business cards. Or wait. what about fumbling? Like you're at an event, you're like, I have a card. Wait, I don't have any. Oh, I'm so sorry. How many does that happen to you and somebody wait. doesn't have a card? Tracy found the answer. Listen to that, people. Ta-da. I recently found- that there are these companies, I know I might be a little bit behind, but there's a new way to have a, a business card so you don't look like an old fogey at events, and they're digital. 
And there's a couple of companies out there doing this, like Dot or Link or some other company, whatever. It's worth checking out, but you have a digital business card. So you get the QR code and someone can just get your business card and save it to their contacts. How amazing is that? And then you, you can make changes if you have any updates. You can have all your social handles on there. I mean, everything. So awesome. Can't wait to do it. We have a couple changes to make in our business world, but then we're going to do it for sure. That's for sure. Fantastic. Great. Great. Again, another one. Spotlight. Let's finish by a quote. Actually, there's two quotes. Oh, there's two. Well, then read the first one okay. and read the last one. Quote, being an artist is not only what you do, but how you live your life, end quote. That is from Ben Sean. And then the next one is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. An great, American. An American philosopher. And he says, quote, in art, the end can never execute anything higher than the heart can imagine. How beautiful is that? That's amazing. Well... Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We hope everyone has an, if you're American, you have an amazing American Thanksgiving. Go out, make yourself happy, revisit your art. And remember, we are here to help you rock your life. À tout heure. Jour après jour.